so it's important for travel content creators, travel agencies, tour operators to have in mind that it's not so much about promoting their specific business, but more about showing what's possible with them and, and the kind of offerings that they have. Hi, my name is Kara Myers and welcome to the Travel Business Lounge. Each week, I chat with women who have built incredible businesses in the travel and tourism industry. You'll hear their inspirational stories of success. We went from 2,000 a month to about 70, 72,000 a month um, in that span of, of nine years. And struggle. I wish that I could tell you that I pivoted really quickly and like jumped back on my feet and I did it. And what they learned along the way. Give yourself the grace of knowing that it's not going to happen overnight and you're going to make a ton of mistakes. And as long as you learn from them and move forward, that's okay. So grab a coffee, hit subscribe, and get ready to learn and feel inspired. Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 13 of the Travel Business Lounge, the place where we celebrate and learn from female entrepreneurs in the travel industry. Now let me start by saying, if you run any type of travel business, whether that's a travel planning agency or maybe a tour business or a multi-day retreat, even a yoga retreat. And if you're not using Pinterest, I am here to tell you today that you are sitting on an absolute gold mine. Pinterest is an amazing lead generation tool, not just for bloggers or influencers, but for all travel brands. Today, I chat with Louise Cottrell, who is a Pinterest expert who specializes in helping travel brands reach more clients and increase sales through Pinterest. As she says in this episode, Pinterest is a user-generated visual search engine, not a social media platform, which is why travel-related images and content do so well. And unlike Instagram or Facebook, where the content you put out is only shown to your followers unless you're using paid ads, Pinterest, by design, wants to make your content discoverable to new users. I like to think that it's similar to the TikTok for you page in the sense that the algorithm recognizes the kind of content that you like and shows you new content that is relevant to that rather than you just following certain users and seeing that feed and being limited by that feed. So it's much easier to get your content out to different users and to go viral without paying a penny. Everything that we talk about in today's episode is about using Pinterest without paid ads. Louise shares tons of fantastic tips on how to harness Pinterest to create more leads for your business and even goes into the exact type of content you should be creating to increase bookings and get more people purchasing your services. And she also goes into what are the best practices for using Pinterest in 2021 because as she shares throughout the episode, Pinterest has changed dramatically over the years, especially in the last year, year and a half. So please stay tuned to learn more about that. I'm personally a massive fan of Pinterest. I've used it for years for recipes, for home decor, for travel inspiration, and I've recently gotten into it for this business as well. So if you want to follow me on Pinterest, uh, come check me out. But beyond that, I just find it fascinating. And I do sincerely believe that, that a lot of tour companies in particular 
within the travel industry are underutilizing this platform. So hopefully at the end of this episode, you'll feel a bit more inspired and a bit more confident in harnessing this incredible tool for your business, all for free. So let's get right into it. Here is Louise Cottrell of Travel Pinners. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Travel Business Lounge. Today, it is all about Pinterest. I am joined by Louise Cottrell, who runs a Pinterest consultancy agency and specializes actually in helping travel brands build their Pinterest profile and attract leads through Pinterest. I personally love Pinterest. I use it all the time for recipes, when I was redesigning my bedroom recently, uh, and also, of course, for travel. But one thing I noticed is that I don't actually see that many tour companies or travel agents on Pinterest, or it just seems to be an underutilized resource for a lot of travel brands. I see tons of travel influencers, travel bloggers, but I'd really like to get more insight on how more tour companies, travel agencies can utilize Pinterest. So welcome Louise to the show. And first, before we get into the Pinterest talk, let's hear a little bit about you, your personal life and how you got into Pinterest to begin with. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. So I was a nomad for many years. I lived abroad for 10 years and volunteering abroad, working abroad, started out down under New Zealand and Australia, traveled a lot in Southeast Asia, wound up living in, moving to and living in Buenos Aires, Argentina. And I I had quite a long stay there. I lived there for five years. So a few years into that journey, I really wanted to go into entrepreneurship and do something that I could do from home, where I could set my rates, where I could make my own schedule. The work situation in Argentina for an expat without a work visa was a little abysmal. So I <laughs> I dove deep into working online and learning how to support, you know, learning about the world of online business, online marketing, and stepping into the role of supporting online business owners. And at the time, after many years in Argentina, my traveler spirit was calling me back to the road. And so I began to travel a little bit again outside of Argentina for extended periods, um, still doing my work. I was mostly doing administrative work and supporting businesses that way. But one of my clients, who was a travel blogger, asked me to manage her Pinterest and go teach myself everything about Pinterest marketing. And then a friend of mine who was a business coach and quite a visionary, she would probably be happy that I'm referring to her as such. <laughs> she said, you should just focus on Pinterest, you know, just niche down, do it for these travel bloggers and travel content creators and travel businesses. This is how you would set it up. This is how you could do set packages, different features, different ways of working with them. This is how you can position yourself. And it was a revelation for me to change my structure to be that way. But that was way back in 2015 that I started Travel Pinners. So yeah. The riches are always in the niches, aren't they? That's what they say. So I think, you know, niching down, niching down and focusing on Pinterest clearly worked well for you. And Pinterest has exploded. I mean, I've, I've used it for a long time, but I was reading recently that over 2020, because everyone was home with the pandemic and doing lots of DIY and getting into baking bread, I think everyone was just on Pinterest. So it seems like now, you know, potentially more than ever before, Pinterest is a tool that businesses should definitely be using. 
Yeah, it's really blooming in terms of um, the amount of users, the amount of accounts they're seeing, and the amount of activity. It was interesting during the pandemic, the first half of the pandemic, the travel content was, was really down in the dumps. Nobody was planning travel. Nobody was looking up travel. And a lot of bloggers just froze and didn't, didn't want to share more information about places that people weren't able to travel to. But towards the later months of the pandemic, you know, even before people knew what the situation was going to be, it was like this dream of being on the road again was just like welling up so strongly in people that they saw in terms of the travel content being being searched and being engaged with, it was higher than the previous year before wow. COVID started. So it's like people were really hungry for just, even if they didn't know when they were going to be able to travel, to just start researching and saving content <laughs> and planning again. They were raring to go. That's really promising. Yeah. I was definitely one of those people who just, you know, looking <laughs> at images of Bora Bora and imagining myself somewhere else outside of rainy London. But I really, I want to get into the nitty gritty of Pinterest, you know, different strategies and optimizations and just everything that businesses need to know and ways that they can utilize Pinterest. But first, just to cover some of the basics for maybe someone that doesn't use Pinterest yet. What is Pinterest? Is it a social media tool? Is it a search engine? And how can travel businesses start using it to generate bookings and sales? That's a great question because it's very different in terms of the mindset that you have to have compared to the other social media channels. And it has a lot of benefits that the other channels don't have, which is why I decided to focus exclusively on Pinterest because I was finding that the effort to results ratio was a lot higher, especially in terms of organic content and sharing content without having to pay for ads like you might on Instagram and Facebook. So Pinterest is, I guess the best way to explain it, it's a user-generated search engine, right? It's a visual search engine. So there's not really a lot of social interaction happening. They have a comments feature, just not really used um, or emphasized, rather, I should say. Some people, I suppose, may leave comments. But it's more about sharing high-quality content so that other people can search for ideas and inspiration and they, they can collect ideas. And so this works in a lot of different niches. As you already mentioned, recipes is the big one, food, different diets, different, you know, if somebody wants to start the keto diet, it's like, just put keto into Pinterest, you'll get <laughs> plenty of inspiration, uh, home decor, things that are visual, especially. So home decor, fashion. And then in terms of travel, of course, it's the planning and the um, <clears throat> kind of idea it's like in the idea generation phase of the of the cycle of somebody who's going on a trip where they want to c collect ideas, either somewhere they want to go, like trying to decide where to go in a certain region or in a certain category of travel, or it could be once they've decided, getting ideas about where to stay, what to do, activities, if they like food, you know, something that's specific to that, the food of the place that they're traveling to. So it's, yeah, it's really a place where people are going to not necessarily to search for a certain tour company, but like to search for possibly ideas of kinds of tours that they could take. So it's important for travel content creators, travel agencies, tour operators to have in mind that it's not so much about promoting their specific business, but 
more about showing what's possible with them and, and the kind of offerings that they have to attract the people who would be interested in those kinds of offerings. It's, it's typically the first place where somebody might discover a brand. And they're not, they're not really looking up specific brands. There's, there's Google for that if you already have a brand in mind or a company in mind that you want to go with. But Pinterest is about getting ideas for possible activities, just for possibilities in general. That's really interesting. So if, for example, you have a tour company in San Francisco, you're not going to just create a pin saying the name of a tour and trying to promote it on Pinterest, but instead you might have a pin of top 10 tours in San Francisco or even just top 10 things to do in San Francisco, best places to eat in San Francisco, things that someone who is planning a trip to that place where you lead tours would be interested in in saving that information, pinning that kind of stuff. Right. And so what you're describing, that is a great way to offer value to your potential customer and to get them over to your website to learn more about your brand. But you could even like hone in more specifically. So in terms of, you know, top activities, it could be the kinds of activities that your tour exclusively could offer to people, right? Mm-hmm. Or or it could be culinary experiences that are maybe more exclusive or that are something that you include or that you have like an insider connection to that you you connect people with a certain restaurant or certain ex- culinary experience, right? So even even more targeted to when people when you generate interest in an activity, if it's something that you specifically offer, it's like, well, you can do this with us. So it's there, there's both ways of going about it. Getting traffic to your site and offering valuable content, it's awesome, but it's not necessarily going to lead to a conversion to a sign up as much as, you know, detailing and writing about articles of the activities that you specifically can exclusively offer or that you offer in a certain way that is unique, that is different and conveying that in your content, in your articles on your website. Right. So you want to be really intentional with the kind of content that you're creating and making sure that, you know, you're not being too salesy, but you are directing people to the kind of products or services that you're offering. Yeah. And I believe that you can offer information in a way um, that, you know, promotes you without being like pushy about it. I see there's a brand that I worked with a few years ago that does this very well. It's called Boutique Japan. They do pretty high-end tours of Japan. It's not for the budget traveler. And they have so many great articles on their website about for anybody traveling to Japan about myriad topics, but also, you know, honing in on the kinds of things that their target or their ideal customer would be interested in as well. So a little bit of everything. Interesting. Some of our listeners are travel agents. What kind of advice would you offer to them? I'm having a hard time imagining like what kind of content they would produce if let's say they specialize in honeymoon trips or romantic holidays for their clients? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's the same for tour operators in the sense of we all need to be creating content, written content, articles, list posts, things that help people research the kind of experience they want to have. So a travel agent, especially if they focus on honeymoons, they need to be thinking of different kinds of content that might attract or serve the kinds of people who would book a honeymoon through them. 
And just from like personal, my personal opinion, my personal perspective, if it's a travel agent who is sharing about the kind of experiences that they can help people connect with, it should be something that they're inspired to share about, right? Because you do want to share, you do want to create as much content as possible. And it's going to be easier to do that if you're excited about what you're talking about. Images are are fine to share. People will repin the images, save the images up to their boards, potentially click the images and, and end up on your website. But it's really the, the content the information that you can offer to people that is going to please them, that's going to get them to see your value, that's going to give them an insight into your brand. And if if they feel that you're a good fit for them in terms of booking through you or choosing to, to go with your offering. Okay. That's really good information. So we, we know the type of content now that we should be producing and sharing on Pinterest. Now let's get into the nitty gritty of getting that content out there on Pinterest, getting eyes on that content. First of all, you create a pin for that blog post. Are you creating one pin per blog post or are you creating multiple pins? What's the strategy behind that? Definitely create multiple pins. Yeah. And if you're not able to, if you don't have your own images, you'll want to source them from um, and there's plenty of free image libraries these days online. Two that come to mind are Unsplash and Pixabay. But even you know paid sources, if you have a way to source really relevant images that that are aligned with your content, right? And then you can use those images to make different pen designs. You want to put text overlay on the pen, which is just what that means is just make sure there's some text on the actual graphic so that people know what the piece of content is about, that it's clear. People are scrolling through their Pinterest feeds pretty quickly. So you've got to catch their attention as if, you know, you're a billboard on the side of the freeway. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the, the more fresh, quote unquote, fresh content that you have, which just means a variety of content, something that hasn't been shared a bunch before, even if it's the same article, that's the same link that's being shared. If you have a variety of images of graphics that you've designed to go with it, that will go a long way in making sure that you, you know, you're not only showing Pinterest that you don't share the same thing over and over again, but you're also certain images might catch certain people's attention more than others. So you have a better chance you're casting a wider net to, to draw in more people with more images. That makes a lot of sense. Once you share that pin on Pinterest, do you, are you resharing it constantly? What's the strategy behind that? Yeah, we're, we're moving away now from resharing too frequently. It was something that in the past, Pinterest strategists, the community, Pinterest themselves and their best practices said it's okay to share multiple times. And especially if something, the, the old rule was that, well, if something's doing really well, continue to share it. Now there's more of an emphasis on fresh content. So that being said, you know, you can share the same image to more than one board, as long as the content matches the name of the board, the category of content that that, that board was created for, and that's getting shared to that board. Pinterest sees where you pin what. So there's indexing content based on the boards that the pieces of content are going on. So you want to make sure they match and not to just do a spray of 
you know, one pin to whatever board. But you also want to make sure that it's, you give some time, you space it out and not just like back to back to back. And the Tailwind scheduling app, which is the one that I use with all my clients and definitely my preferred Pinterest scheduling tool, they have features that make it really easy to make sure that enough time has elapsed between sharing the same piece of content or the same pen image. So yeah, I would recommend them for people who want to do this more seriously and share more content. Great. I've heard of Tailwind and we'll definitely link to that in the show notes. Uh, So just to make sure I understand correctly. So if you to use the example of San Francisco tour company, again, you would, you create your blog content, you would create multiple boards that all are related to the kind of content that you are producing. Would you also post or pin other people's pins on those boards? Or do you want to focus exclusively on your pins? Yeah, so that that's also, and there's an answer that's changed over the years. It used to be, yes, include curated content, be a good community member and share other people's content. And now best practices are saying, if you have enough of your own content, it's not necessary. It's not going to change anything in terms of your content getting seen. A few things to keep in mind, though. One is that when you share other people's content and it's high quality and your audience engages with it, they click, they save the pins, they open them, they go to those websites, it helps your account overall. It helps you get in better standing with the Pinterest algorithm, this mysterious (laughs) black box that we don't really know what's going on, but we theorize about. (laughs) Um, it, It is saying this account is sharing high quality content that people like, let's show more of whatever they share. And that can help you. The next thing is that if you don't have a lot of content yet, let's say you're just getting started, you want your account to to have a consistent activity, right? So it's at least something going out every day. So if you don't have a fresh pin to share of your own content, it's great to curate content from other sources and to round out your boards with content from other sources so that the account is showing as being active and being that it's got content going out frequently. And that'll be another way that that Pinterest says, okay, we should show what this account is sharing because it's active. These boards are being added to on a frequent basis. And and especially though, when people engage with it, it's bound to help you in the long run as well. And I'll mention a feature also in Tailwind called communities where there are these private groups that other Tailwind users have started around different topics and different niches. And in the communities, you can upload something that you have created for other people to consider pinning. And they are all uploading their content as well. And you can find great curated content there. And it's a nice way to have like a reciprocal exchange rather than just looking on Pinterest for content to curate. That's a fine way as well. But with Tailwind Communities, you have the opportunity to share other people's in exchange for the potential for your pins to get shared. Because that's the idea behind, behind the communities is that you share a pin for every pin that you upload. And so it's not guaranteed that your content is going to get pinned, but it is a great sort of feature and opportunity for having that reciprocity with other business owners, other Pinterest users. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. And I can imagine 
travel being so popular on Pinterest, there are some really great travel communities out there that people could link into. You've mentioned frequency. How, what are we talking about? Multiple times a day, multiple times a week? How active should people be on their Pinterest boards? Every day is great. And then in terms of how many pins per day, it's, it really depends on how much content you have. You know, uh, if you have hundreds of articles and you're just now turning to Pinterest and, and you're creating images for every article and maybe multiple images for every article, then you're raring to go and you know that you're going to have a steady influx of new content, somewhere in the 10 to 25 pins per day is fine. And that includes, you know, occasional repeats to various boards. That includes if you want to add curated content in as well. But if you're just getting started, you have a slower content creation schedule um, or slower content calendar, then even one a day, even one a day, just to get started, to get the wheels turning. But consistency is really more important than amount, I would say, which is why the scheduling tools like Tailwind really help because you can fill up, I and mean, if you're just doing one pin a day, it's not hard to just program in 30 pins and then you're set for the month and you can focus back on creating new content, creating new graphics, rather than going on every day to try to share one thing that's a little energy consuming. <laughs> yeah, that seems much more achievable. I think a lot of people, especially with different social media platforms, they get when they're just starting off, they have no followers or no one's pinning their content yet. It can just feel really overwhelming coming into it as a newbie. So hearing that even just once a day and it can be scheduled out over a few hours in advance uh, makes it seem a lot more achievable. Yeah. And on Pinterest, when you're just getting started and you don't have kind of the recognition from the algorithm yet about the state of your account or of the, the potential for your account, you don't want to be sharing too much content, even if you have it. Because like you said, it's not so much about the number of followers, although that can play into it. It's more about kind of the traction that you've already gained and you know, it can take a month for Pinterest to show something that you shared to a large audience. Like it'll be on your profile, but it might not be showing up in search results yet. It might not be showing up on people's home feeds. And so, yeah, you want to temper yourself, especially as if you're just getting started and not just, like I said, do the spray tactic of just like more, 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 more. Because if Pinterest doesn't know that you that people are receiving your content well, you know, it's, it's a feedback loop. A few people start to engage with your content. They show it to a few more people, a few more people. And this is how things can go viral. Even months after they've been shared, something will get picked up by a popular account. It'll get reshared. It'll be shown to maybe thousands, potentially thousands more people all of a sudden. And you're like, what? How is this? And people also, it can trip them up because they think, sorry, I'm diaper. I'm going on a tangent here a little bit, but like something will go viral and a business owner will say, oh, Pinterest is our number one traffic driver, or it's all because they had one pin go viral. And and the pins have these natural life cycles and they start to die down the, the kind of circulation that they were getting. And it's like the sky is falling and like, oh no, what happened with our Pinterest account? It's failing. Pinterest doesn't work anymore. And it's like, <laughs> look actually at what happened and you'll see that this sometimes pins go viral and they account for a majority of your traffic. And so you don't really know when it's going to happen, if it's going to happen, but 
the key is just like slow and steady, keep creating quality content, keep sharing it consistently, keep prioritizing, you know, getting it to boards where the keywords are, are matching in their categories where it makes sense so that people searching for your the kind of content that you make, the kind of offerings that you have can find that information. That's the best way to go about it. And what are some of your tips for going viral in terms of optimizing the pins itself? You spoke about the images and having the text overlay, but for example, are you using keywords in the titles or the descriptions or using other tactics to to try and push that pin forward? Yeah, all of those things. So number one is definitely the image, right? Because that's the first thing that people are going to see. That's going to determine the the clicks and the engagement that you get. And if you're not sure like what what could be a viral image, search in your niche. You'll see what your competitors are doing. You'll see what is showing up on your home screen. It'll be the the cream of the crop, you know, the best of the best images. And get inspiration. Maybe make like a secret board where you save in a swipe file like design inspiration that you love. Design is is a really key aspect of succeeding. Second, I would say is how you optimize keywords because there are many places where you can kind of insert the relevant keywords so that the Pinterest bot knows what a piece of content is about, right? They're, they're indexing it and they're categorizing it to try to get it to the right people. So yeah, even the text that I said to put on the actual graphic, you would think that can't be, can't be used in the back end, but Pinterest, they can read the text on the graphics. That's their technology. So that even that text is important for kind of conveying what the pin is about. Then you've got the pin title, which is automatically pulled from the page title of the URL that you're sharing. So you want to make sure you've got your article optimized, your SEO for your title, your H tags, your all the pieces on the actual website. And then on Pinterest, you can also change the title if you want to, you know, if it's pulling the title from the article and that doesn't feel right to you or you have a different idea in mind, you're able to change it as well. And then you've got your pin description, which is probably the place that that the machine goes to first to try to figure out what a piece of content is about. So I'm always advising my clients to front load the pin description with two to three main keywords, followed by a colon, followed by the rest of the description, which can also be a keyword-rich description. But those first two to three words are important to say, again, what the post is about, whether it's like best honeymoon destinations 2021, you know, somebody searching that, they're more likely to see a piece of content that's got that right at the front of the pin description. And I know that when you search in Pinterest, it gives you some predictive search terms. Do you utilize that a lot in when deciding what kind of keywords to plug into your pins? Yeah, so that's great when you have like, let's say you have a one word topic or a two word topic, if you want to see what people are searching with those one or two words, so that you can get some inspiration about how to make long tail keywords, that's really helpful. That's also helpful when you're trying to think of what new content to create, mm-hmm. right? If there's something in your niche, like a subcategory that you want to hone in on, but you're not sure what to focus on, that can be a really great tool for coming up with new ideas because that is indicating what people are most commonly searching for with any keyword set. 
But yeah, thanks for mentioning that. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Like I mentioned at the start, I know that I've read that there's a lot of changes that happened in the last year or so. Can you speak on some of the other big changes? You've alluded to some of them, but I'm curious what else is new for this year. Oh, yeah. They really keep us on our toes. Um, <laughs> also known as create lots of headaches. Uh, <laughs> they, they're they just so funny. The people at Pinterest rolling out a lot of new features all the time. Some that are really buggy and don't work and cause frustration. Some that really do take off and then become the next big strategy. And then some that just fizzle out and nobody really uses them. And they end up like quietly sweeping them under the rug, like this was never here. <laughs> hashtags. Oh, Lordy. Hashtags, they, for the longest time, it was do not use hashtags. They will harm your account. That was the messaging. Mm-hmm. They will harm your reach. We are penalizing people who use hashtags. Wow. Really Suddenly cool. one day it was. We now have a hashtag feature. If you use hashtags, they will become clickable links in your pin description that will point people to a feed of just pins with that hashtag, and they will be in chronological order. So it was like bringing back the chronological order feature, which most social media platforms don't use anymore. It was like, whoa, that's cool. And then kind of just best practices, even though nobody really spent a lot of time on those hashtag feeds, or it was just impossible to even know if it was effective. So I was always on the fence about it. Like you can use a few hashtags, but there's no way to measure if they're making an impact, which I don't really like to spend my energy or have my clients spend their energy doing things that we don't know if what the results are, or if they even matter. And then after that period, it was just add two or three because Pinterest says you should. And it's another place they look for keywords, and now they are officially dead. They're gone. They don't make links anymore. Their Pinterest is saying now again, don't use them. <laughs> what <laughs> like, a roller coaster! <laughs> we have come full circle with hashtags on Pinterest. Other new features lately, they're you know they're taking ideas from other platforms. So they started doing stories like on Instagram, where at the top of somebody's profile. You can put in like a series of images, but there was no way to have backlinks. There, it, they didn't link to anything. And mm-hmm. so Pinterest being primarily a search engine where you want people to come to your site, it was a little bit iffy. It was like Pinterest had this new feature they wanted people to use. They were showing people stories often, but they weren't creating any traffic for people or a way, again, mm-hmm. a way to measure their impact. and. I've had a few clients that said, oh, I've got, from my Instagram stories, we can reuse these for Pinterest. And I said, sure, great. But if somebody was like, should I be using this feature? I was a little bit on the fence about it. Videos are a little different. They're now, they now have the capability to have, you know, native videos, which just means that it's, it's a video that you upload directly to Pinterest rather than linking a YouTube video or something like that. You used to be able to link YouTube videos, probably still can, and they would play directly in Pinterest, like from you, it it wouldn't send you to YouTube, but you could get a play out of it. But it was only landscape size images. And so because you know, a YouTube video is typically landscape style, not portrait style. And so it was like they were often overlooked or just not really, there wasn't a lot of buzz around them. Now there's native Pinterest videos. So if you can make portrait style tall videos, 
these can do pretty well. And especially because it's a new feature that Pinterest is prioritizing and trying to push to, to encourage people to make videos, they tend to show them more just by virtue of, of them, you know, of somebody making a video and those can have links and et cetera, and all the regular features. So yeah, that, that's one that if I were going to, to tell somebody to the things to pay attention to or to the things to focus their energy on, and it doesn't even have to be like, you don't have to go make film a video. It can be images that just pan or like an image slideshow for instance, which you can make really easily in Canva, which is this online graphic design tool that that is pretty standard for people making pin images. They have a feature to make videos really easily as well now, which is exciting. So there's a lot you can do in terms of creativity, and those tend to um, get shown a lot and get a lot of engagement. Originally, I thought that it's not really the pinner's experience to want to stop to watch a video you know it's all about the scrolling and saving and going through things really fast and then coming back later to kind of dig in more into what you saved but they're doing pretty well as far as i've seen so interesting yeah i know as a consumer i've noticed videos popping up on my feed a lot more and it was a bit jarring at first because it was just like pinterest is my place for images <laughs> what are you doing here but I, I guess so many other platforms are shifting towards video so it makes a lot of sense that pinterest would follow suit yeah and if the video is really compelling and really catches your eye if you're looking at food and you see somebody making a recipe that's that draws you in and if you're looking for travel and you see a really great well-designed video, edited video, it catches your attention. So why not? But if it's just, if you're just making videos to have them and they're not really high quality or you haven't really put a lot of thought or attention or love into them, it's going to come through too. And then it's just like, why bother? Just go back to images. (laughs) So really, if you're going to double down on something like videos, like just do, do your best, I would say. Because otherwise, don't just do it to have videos. Do it because you're really trying to target folks who, who you could serve. Yeah, that makes sense. You mentioned Canva. I know Canva has even templates for Pinterest, making it really easy. If you don't have any kind of design background, you can just plug in some images of your own and, and some text and, and get a decent looking Pinterest pen. It, so they also have the video option for Pinterest pins as well? Yeah. Yeah. That's wow. really great. I've only just started mm-hmm. dabbling in that, but it's just crazy how, how easy they make it to make a cool video. Like you don't have to learn iMovie. You don't have to have video editing skills. It's just really plug and play. I love Canva. It's That's a amazing. great tool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. You're such a wealth of knowledge and you've shared so much. And I think people are going to take a lot from this episode, but still Pinterest can be a little bit overwhelming for some. They might hear all this and think that sounds great, but not for me. What are the services that you offer and what is it that you do to help brands, travel brands specifically with Pinterest? The thing that I love to do the most is to do consult packages with people to show them that, to show them the 80-20, the the 20% of effort that will get the 80% of results saving people time, demystifying what would be required of them to have the chance of getting more traffic with this tool. The thing about it is that, yeah, there's a lot you could learn. You don't have to use all of the features. You don't have to do everything that I've explained. 
And I like to really hone in with people on what they are passionate about doing and how they want to reach people in their marketing and tailor it to not only their content and their specific brand goals, but also just to what inspires them and how they can, like I said, do least amount of effort that will get them the the most results. And then if they want to take it up to the next level, you know, showing them exactly what that would look like. Okay, these are your basics that you need to have. And then once you get these under control, and once this starts to feel automatic and second nature, and you can schedule out a month of content in an hour, then let's look higher level strategies and more things that you can do. And so that's how my one of my consulting offerings is is designed. I've got a strategy session, which is just like 45 minutes with me breaking it all down, giving you the foundations. And then some people opt to do a month long package where we'll start with a strategy session, give them a few weeks to implement everything and experiment and, and ask questions. And I'm available for email support unlimited during that month and then have a second strategy session where we take a look at the work that they did, see if they're starting to get results, learn how to kind of analyze their Google analytics to inform future strategy and to give them some of those higher level tactics that they can use that they might not have, they might not have gotten in the beginner level of just getting started and getting everything set up or getting everything rolling. I also do account management. So if people want to just outsource completely to not have to do the the sharing and the uh, kind of managing the schedule and making sure everything's optimized and making sure the content is all going to the right places. But for that, it's a minimum of 10 pins a day. So it's really more suited to people who kind of already have a lot of content or they, they know that they're going to have a pretty packed content creation schedule and that they're going to have the assets to even be shared. Because if it's just one post a month, it's really, there's just not going to be a lot to share. Right. That makes sense. Uh, well, thank you so much, Louise. If people want to get in touch with you to you know, learn more about you or potentially look into your consultation services, where is the best place for them to find you? They can find me at travelpinners.com or they can email me directly info at travelpinners.com. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Really appreciate it. And yeah, look forward to potentially following you on Pinterest. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks, Kara.